I, I saw the floor first. All I saw was this brown liquid on the floor, and then I realized I made a mistake. <laughs> You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 135, take two. I'm your host, John Condon, and with me is Eric Van Johnson. I promise one of these days we're going to smooth out all these uh, issues and uh, we'll get it done right the first time. Hopefully. One day. What we have to remember is we're an audio podcast mainly. All this video stuff. We are. We are. This is true. Yes. Tom, I haven't forgotten about you. And our good friend Tom Rideout. Hi. I, I didn't even bring up your lighting this time. This whole second take intro, I, I screwed up everything. The, the, well, again, we're an audio bite podcast, so we're, we're not really worried about lighting. Yeah. Yeah. No, How I got that lighting though. That lighting though, bro. <laughs> I got uh, I got a nice new Tautronics lamp, a uh, big LED thing that does whites and then like off whites for reading and rest mode and timers and. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It was like when I when I first shopped for this kind of lamp, it was like a hundred dollars for a nice one, and this one came out to like thirty bucks. Not bad at all. Although you got its weird yeah. shadow now across your forehead that I'm gonna make you conscious of it's the entire my, time. It's just my hairline. <laughs> what happened to the ring light you were gonna get right in front of your face? So it light up your yeah, those your are pupils. expensive. I know. That's funny. That's exactly the same thing I thought when I when I when he mentioned that. It's like every time I see him, you see the people with the pupils all lit up. Yeah, they're nice. No, nah, no, nah. but expensive. I'm good. I don't. I don't need one of those. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Walked right. Bring into out it. all the blemishes. Oh, what are you guys How up has to? Everybody's week been. I've had a pretty exciting coding week. I, I've got a lot to talk about, so I but I don't want to hog the Sweet. show. Sweet, that means I can go take a nap. Time. <laughs> a nap before bed would be awesome. What have uh, what have you guys been up to? Anything fun? Uh, I started working yesterday, and. Congratulations! Uh, you, you, yeah, actually, well, you actually started working. Vacation. I came back from vacation yesterday, and it wasn't until uh, about two o'clock in the afternoon that I realized that I should have still been on vacation. I had forgotten what day I took off. <laughs> and oh, oh, so you, you you actually literally should have still been on vacation. Yeah, I, I should not have sat down at my desk and started working. I should have sat down in front of my TV and played video games. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm working on a large file upload system right now that's really cool uh, I've been using resume.js or resumable.js which I wish every JavaScript library was like this one it is so so nice to use resumable interesting it's no jQuery integration um you don't have to worry about that. It doesn't bind to anything. Like, there's no required DOM object for it. It's just a thing that you instantiate on its own, and then everything after that is configured with methods like bind to button or uh, bind to droppable area, stuff like that. 
and it's just been so nice to work with because the documentation because because of the simplicity of the documentation is really just smoothly laid out uh, and there's no fear of instantiating it through jQuery and then losing the instantiated object forever you have to actually create a variable for it what do you mean losing it forever oh, because you're binding it to an element or something and Right, and so now if you want to interact with the thing, it's bound to the element, and you have to hope that the jQuery library correctly returns the instantiated object instead of instantiating a new one. And it, I'm not, I'm, I'm getting further and further away from jQuery now. I'm not liking it so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really nice at the time, but now, yeah, yeah, I've kind of been on that bandwagon too for a while. It's. It definitely makes things a lot easier, but a lot messier, too. It almost feels like I hack with jQuery instead of code with it. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm getting used to this sort of raw JavaScript style that just works. Doesn't have horrible error handler pointers and all of the things that can go wrong in jQuery. The, the little bit I've done with Vue, I've liked that quite a bit. What, what is it about Vue that you like? The the two-way binding is amazing. Just the getting a component up and running pretty easily. It's been fun. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually I'm horrible at, at at JavaScript, and every time I start to get into Vue, I really start to embrace like thinking I I, I I've this is the JavaScript library I need to learn because I'm really getting into the mindset of separating out a back end and a front end and having them being completely different components. And yeah, I'm, I, uh, view is very approachable for me. So. I just don't do it enough. That's, so it, that's it, me. Yeah. So. I get, I get like, okay at it. And then I don't do it for, a month or two, and then I completely forgot everything. <laughs> I'm taking a funny screenshot right now, and I'm going to share it in Discord since we're going to pimp Discord anyway. I'm sure, but the the way you two are laid out, I see Thomas's uh, mic arm coming down his camera and hey! ending ending at your mic. <laughs> it's just like perfect. <laughs> It's so funny. It's, it's like we're in the room together. It, where where's your head going there, Thomas? Easy. <laughs> I'm trying to speak into the microphone. <laughs> fun, fun. That's cool. How about you, John? So any I, I uh, any fun... cool PHP stuff? No, I have fun office stuff though. The office is amazing. It's, sure. it's fun going in and having the developers there. And what's more fun is making a pot of coffee for those people. They're they're working so hard over in their in their little office. So I get up and I kindly say, "Would anybody like some coffee? I'm gonna ma- I can either make a single cup for myself or I can make a pot of coffee for everybody." And today they said, "Oh, we'll take some coffee." So I go and I make a pot of coffee. Like a dumbass, I did not put the pot. Under the pot of coffee as I made it. <laughs> so instead of making a pot of coffee, I made a floor of coffee. <laughs> it was it was funny. A mess. When he, 
he said that he had forgot to do that. And I thought he was joking at first. And it's weird the way your kitchen counter is laid out and everything. I, I looked in there and I didn't see anything. I saw I saw a little coffee kind of on the counter at first. I'm like, oh, you know, he spilled a little coffee, whatever. And then, you know, I'm staring more at it and, and I'm I'm noticing like John's like serious. He's he's kind of pissed. And I look and it's all over the floor. And then all of a sudden it like starts to really show on the counter, like everywhere it's at. I'm like Holy crap, he did literally make a pot of coffee without the pot. <laughs> Running down the, the front of the cabinet, so it's like in all the drawers and under the microwave. It was just, it was not fun. Well, at least it's not new carpet. Oh, oh wait. No, the whole, everything's new. Hey, well, luckily it was in the kitchen, so there's no carpet. You the don't have a carpeted kitchen? In the kitchen. Savage. In the in the kitchen under the the countertop is a little water heater. I thought the water heater blew or something because there's I, I saw the floor first. And all I saw was this brown liquid on the floor, and then I realized I made a mistake. <laughs> your first your first thought was no one could be dumb enough to make a coffee without putting the pot under it. Yep. <laughs> this Aww. and 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 you bring this back to development because. You, when you're developing something, you sit there and say, nobody will ever be stupid enough to use it this way. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't code like that. Yeah, why wasn't there a sensor on the heating element to know that water was pouring directly onto it? Okay, so to John's defense, this is not a cheap coffee maker. and So I he almost of... ruined a very expensive coffee maker. Well, I kind of agree with what you just said. There should have been some sort of indication that the coffee maker should have been smart enough to say, hey, there, something's no wrong here. here. <laughs> so, yeah, but whatever. Mistakes happen. I, I still want to know why our bathroom floor is getting so sticky, John. What, what are you doing? Sticky? <laughs> sticky. Never there. What are you talking about? Eric, you like my new uh, Discord avatar? I do. I like it. I like it, I like it a lot. Yeah. You need to make that your Twitter Twitter avatar. I should see if I can get that logo broken down so we can have our little avatars be our Twitter handles. Except for Thomas hates his. I don't, I don't hate mine. Yours, yours is the best looking one. Yours, yours looks... The most like you. You really don't yeah, like no, it? I, yeah, no, I I don't like anything that close enough resembles me. I don't have a... I, I just brought up the uh, Patreon page because I have it on the background there, but kind of hard to see. Um, but thanks for all, to all our Patreons. Appreciate, appreciate that. Yes, you make the first half hour of this podcast uh, a disaster. Because we're trying to make everyone happy. So I had some fun coding this week. Can I can I share some some of my coding stuff? Would love to hear it. Do we do we want to talk development at all? Nah. I have a ton, a ton of development stuff to talk. Okay, so I'm gonna go and get started. Um I'm talking about hacking, talking about doing some Vue.js stuff, and I was getting into that uh Frick published 
has a very popular package that he published called Dashboard that it's supposed to you it's supposed to be something you just like run on a screen and you like pull in all this information and it has all these tiles and stuff and for the life of me I couldn't get uh some a couple of the pieces working he displayed that at so, Laracon a couple of years ago right yeah exactly demoed it yeah um i I couldn't get a couple of the pieces pieces working and I mean I'm struggling I'm struggling finally um I am talking to uh, Sean and Matt from from Lair Chat and friends of mine. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. This seems really simple. I, I had a I had what I thought was a very simple problem, and they're like, well, let's do. You know, you guys, you want to do some pair programming? I'm like, yeah. Actually, I think I suggested. I'm like, do do either one of you want to pair program with me and help me figure this out? And they both they both volunteered. So I fired up. Uh, Visual Studio Code, which I happened to have been working in that weekend because I was uh, I was refamiliarizing myself with it, and I was liking it. Um, I was getting a couple of my Vim shortcuts configured that actually had previously not been working, but because the product has matured, the Vim uh, plugin ha- has matured, they started working. You know, they've they're become implementations for some of the things I wanted. The biggest thing was I needed horizontal and vertical splits, which it does now. And I needed but to be able to do my, Yeah. And I needed to be able to navigate those those splits with my uh you know, my little shortcut of control H, control J, control K, which I could do in PHP Storm, I could do in Vim, and now I can do in, in VS Code. So I was enjoying it because VS Code is so much more lighter weight than PHP Storm. Um, but then, so I started using the live share feature on VS Code, which please, please, JetBrains, really seriously consider coming up with an implementation of pair programming for PHP Storm because it's so nice. The, I do the, there is one, but you have to pay for it, right? Right. Yeah. So I do the live share with VS Code, which if you haven't done this yet, it's a fantastic way to do pair programming because uh, the person you pair programming with, they have their version of the code in their VS Code implementation. So they're not fumbling around in your VS Code trying to figure out how things work. They're working on the code in their implementation, and you're working on it in your implementation, and it's it's really really nice. But they kept they kept we were, we were I was trying to explain to them over Slack the issue I was having, and they're like, "Well, let's jump on an audio call and talk through it." I'm like, "Audio? You want me to call you in Slack?" They're like, "No, no, no. In VS Code, there's an audio." Uh, an audio piece you, really? can, you can go to. That's what I said. And I kept looking and I kept looking and I couldn't find it. And they're, they're sending me screenshots that they have. Like, it's right, you know, it should be right here. It should be right here. Well, it turns out it's actually another another pack that you have to install. It's called Live Share uh, Extension Pack. And, and I think this actually installs Live Share as well. So, it, you only really, I, I believe you only really need to install this one to do to have everything. But it, it included audio, 
It included a chat for for sending links. I did live sh uh, pair programming with them. I shared with them my um, my web server. So I, I shared my my local port uh, eight thousand with them, and then I even shared with them because I, because it was doing a callback and it was it was doing a, it was listening for callbacks. I even shared that port with them. And it was, I mean, it was actually a very, very nice way of, of, of doing some pair programming. Now, we, we couldn't figure out the problem, it turned out. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the application was just too broken, and we, we actually gave up on it. But, but the, the experience of uh, pair programming with, with VS Code was awesome. And if you're, if you're watching the stream right now, I, I actually have the package up uh, on the stream. It's called VS Live Share. Uh, extension pack and uh it worked i mean it worked pretty flawlessly and i'm i'm begging JetBrains to really really think about doing something like this for for php storm it would be awesome well i'm convinced i'm installing vs code right now you know i so i used it i think starting around thursday all the way through sunday it's all i used and it i i i saw the chinks in the armor again the, the same problems i had before there are fewer of them but what brought me back to php storm basically monday morning was it still falls short in a couple places uh the biggest place it falls short on is um and i don't know why this is an issue but the uh the conflict resolution and and get pull requests. So in PHP Storm, PHP Storm definitely does it hands down better than any other tool I've ever seen where if you're doing a pull or even if you're trying to do a push and there's a conflict, PHP Storm walks you through the best ways to resolve those conflicts. Like if you're doing if you're trying to do a push, it'll say, "Hey, you need to either merge or rebase and it lets you do that." If you're trying to do a pull, it brings up this, you know, nice little dual plane window and it lets you kind of do a, a merge of the two files that you're having a conflict with and I actually ran into a conflict with the code I was working on and it, VS Code was very well, just wasn't helpful either I, I, don't, I don't know how to use it correctly it wasn't intuitive to me and I you know it, it was it was very much back to the Vim days of going through the file and finding out where all finding where all the conflicts were um, that was a big, a big thing. And, and again, another reason why I keep going back to, to using PHP storm, but, but I, I don't know. I mean, VS code is, is definitely, definitely gain, gaining ground on PHP storm. Like every time I go back to it, it's gotten leaps and bounds better than it had been previously. It, it was so much faster. Uh, one of the issues I ha had had previously and it, it might have been me. It might have been some of the extensions I had installed. But, like, there seemed to be, like, too many pop-ups happening, you know, trying to explain to me, like, too much code intelligence. I'm like, get out of my way. I'm trying to see my goddamn code. Like, every time <laughs> I hovered over a function, it's like a, a dictionary of things popped up. So, bottom line, you're, you're sticking with PHP Storm? Is that... Well, like, I'm back now? to PHP Storm right now. But I, I'm bouncing back and forth. I mean, I, I really don't have... A, I'm not. I'm liking. I'm liking VS Code a lot, 
And I think a lot of reason the, the thing that keeps VS Code in, in the running for me is I like to bounce around with my languages. I mean, PHP Storm is great for PHP, but when I'm doing Python, even when you're doing JavaScript, it's eh, not as powerful. Whereas VS Code, it seems to be just as powerful with Python, just as powerful with JavaScript. I mean, it's just uh, across the board a, a, a very well-rounded tool. Hmm. So yes. I don't know. I mean, you know, when I have to, when 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 the meter's running, I'm working on client stuff. I'm I find myself going back to PHP Storm because it's like, listen, I don't, I don't I'm not going to putz around here. I, I got to go with what I know right now. But like on the weekends. I'm I'm finding myself firing up VS Code more and more, and I think I'm going to continue to do that. So, yeah, yeah I'm liking it. Okay, definitely, definitely. Uh, for the price, it's uh, nice. <laughs> the, yeah. the low, low price of free. free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Free yeah. fitty. So I got a question for you guys. I was thinking about this weekend though, with Microsoft owning GitHub now, right? Because Microsoft bought GitHub. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with VS Code being as popular as it is, what do you think? Where do you think? Do you think there's any place for Adam anymore? Well, Adam, if you don't recall, was an editor that GitHub released, which was actually very strong. I think it actually released before VS Code. Yeah, I haven't heard about and that in a long time. I haven't heard people talking about it. Yeah, I, see, I still see. Didn't seem to. Then. Didn't seem to to stick with people well enough. No, unless you so do had you, do you like think... a hipster mustache and a scarf. <laughs> so, so I mean, it it would make sense that Adam should just die on the vine at this point, right? Because why why would you have both? Yeah, these but nothing products? does. You know that someone's going to be like Adam's dying. I have to take over as maintainer. Well, that's fine, but I mean, as far as it not being an official GitHub project, I mean, why would GitHub need to, to put resources behind Atom when no, you they, have VS Code out there? They wouldn't. Which is so is VS Code when, a when Microsoft we... thing? Yeah, I did not know that. Really? Yeah. Visual Studio. That that whole license is well. I know Visual. Anything... Well, I knew Visual Studio was. I, I guess I just never thought about VS Code. Being Visual Studio Code. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it, I, it was. It's part of their whole open source effort. When we talked about Microsoft acquiring GitHub, and and how much they paid for it, Eric, you were a, a huge detractor, saying that they paid way too much. And where's the value? Oh, yeah. And um, mm-hmm. part of the value is if there was a GitHub Atom team. Microsoft could just say, okay, you guys are gone and nothing of value is lost. But nothing of value is gained either. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, because, no... they've, because they're trimming the fat in the company and maintaining uh, the value. Maybe. But still, where where was the value to, the, to them? Buying a company to let... A team go isn't valuable. Yeah, exactly. No. It's, it's usually the opposite. You buy a company to acquire a team. Well, they they acquired the Atom team and maybe folded them into VS Code or maybe and fired the VS Code developers. No, no, they they took the no, they they rolled the VS Code 
<laughs> development team into the Atom team so that they had the two together. And they made a big snowman. <laughs> this is all speculation, people. We're not, we're, not, we're not quoting any articles or anything you read. Just FYI. Okay, <laughs> so I have exciting news, though. That was, that was my fun thing that I did with my friends over the weekend because I actually have a couple friends. But uh, I have some exciting news. I um, I finally got around. If if you recall, Thomas, you you brought it up a couple times. Uh, we discussed uh, Lighthouse. I I I I kept mentioning that I had Lighthouse as a topic I wanted to come back to, or specifically GraphQL. Yeah. Uh, how I had graphql was this topic i kept wanting to look into more and i kept wanting to look into it more and i kept saying well, yeah, I, just, I didn't have time this week it's really something that that's i've had a lot of interest in and john even asked me uh he's like you know what got you interested in graphql and i, I said you know i i'd seen a talk on it and um it just made sense right the the thing that really resonated with me is the discussion around that uh, the data that you're offering to for consumption is essentially a data store and you know how do you access information out of a data store you query a data store you don't have individual endpoints for every piece of data you're trying to get out of a data store right it's sort of and, it microservices the whole data store concept Right. And it just made a, it just resonated with me. I'm like, yeah, you know, if you think about it, it's like we've been writing API endpoints for a while now, but we've write all these API endpoints and we we try to control and dictate, you know, what information is being accessed, how it's being accessed, how it's being displayed to the end users. So sometimes we do some mutations and things like that. And GraphQL just seemed to have a lot more eloquent way of handling that. But I really, really struggled getting my head around GraphQL and how you implemented it. And uh, I, I had seen this, um, I had seen this package available for Laravel called Lighthouse. And I had been wanting to give it a try. And it, it, it you know, it talked to, it, it had, it said it was a GraphQL server for Laravel. It's it, very simple. I'm like, well, all right, let me try to implement this. And I actually pulled in the old Wave PHP code base because you know I had very few, uh, very few tables in there, very little data. I, you know, I needed to offer up. I'm like, all right, let's see how difficult this is. Man, I'm here to tell you, blew my mind. I had I had the whole GraphQL thing implemented. Probably within a, an hour or two after I after I read through the documentation and really understood what it was I was implementing it and how it needed to be implemented, and my goodness, my goodness, is it slick! So, uh, question for you: Did you ever did you get the queries running from JavaScript, or was it just via that tool that you showed me this morning? Just that tool, um, but again, as I as I showed you the tool, so. Lighthouse has a tool called Playground where you can actually write your write your um, your GraphQL uh, queries in Playground. But as I was explaining to you this morning, John, all those queries I wrote it generated a curl command for all of them, and they were they were 
they were pretty basic curl commands. I mean, there was nothing unusual about them. Right. I just wonder if there was some sort of JavaScript library to make these calls, or you just using Ajax to hit an endpoint. Right. I, I, I got to think there, if there aren't, if there aren't already, there will be soon JavaScript libraries to do this. Yeah, um, but the more more you're talking about, it was just a curl command. It's basically an AJAX request to an endpoint, passing the data either. I don't know if it was a post request or a get, but you're passing that query in somehow into mm-hmm. that AJAX call and getting JSON right. back. Right. Huh. Right. And. And, you know, I'm still in the early stages. Uh, there's There are things that I need to figure out how it's handled, uh, specifically around authentication. So I should make sure that I'm clear what the GraphQL implica- implementation I'm doing is with this Lighthouse package. And this Lighthouse package is specific for Laravel. And I say that because the Lighthouse package ties into the Laravel models. And that's what makes this whole thing. After implementing the package, there was a configuration file, which I don't think I touched. And then there's a uh, schema file that that's actually where you start to lay out what's available, how it's available, what the user sees, relationships. And you lay this all out in the schema file. But that schema file is tying into your existing Laravel models. Now that surprises and, me though, because Laravel already had sort of a system for a JSON return type that had a fillable and uh, protected or yeah, restricted right. for columns. Right, but right, Eric, Eric brought different. up yeah, Eric brought up a good point when he was explaining it to me this morning. It's when we're when we're writing these API endpoints. Yes, it's very easy to say, when I ask for users, I'm going to get back an array of users with this data, which is in those fillable or protected uh, arrays. But then we end up adding more methods to say, well, now I I just want users that match this criteria. So now now we end up with all these endpoints that where we're still trying to control that data versus GraphQL where we can say, here's the data that's available to you. You take what you want. Right. So, and I guess you can have different, you can have different schemas for the same model. You don't even need that. You're basically what he showed me through the YAML is you say, here's my user's data. You have access to ID name and email. You don't have access to a password or date creator or any, anything else. Now I can say, okay, I need all users, uh, and I just need their name and email. Or I need, right. you know, whatever GraphQL is allowing me to have access to, I ask for those pieces yeah. versus right. uh, different endpoints. Yeah, that, and that, that was really, really one of the things that was appealing to me because... Again, this is all tying to to the model, so you're just defining even the relationships. So, with the the example of, and I should have, I, I thought about it in hindsight. This is, should have been one of those things I live streamed as I was figuring my way through it. But 
with the uh, Wave PHP, all, all the speakers had uh, talks. And, you know, maybe maybe all you wanted were the talks. Maybe you didn't want the talks. Maybe all you wanted were the speaker names. And with GraphQL, to John's point, you just, you, you tell GraphQL what information you want. But the, but the schema is designed to those models. So you're, you're just showing everything that's accessible from that model. And then the user's deciding what information it is that they want back. Right. It was really slick. And when you, you know, when we're thinking back end front end programming on the back end, we're asking for very specific data when we're writing things. The front end is going through tens or hundreds of different endpoints to get data it needs. Now it just goes through the one and says, hey, I need this. So it's doing queries just like we would on the back end. And it, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't look like SQL, but but the mentality is the same. You're saying... It's pretty close. You know, it's not that far off. Yeah. You say speakers, and and, and it, it can all be together. You, you say speakers, give me first name, last name, talks, give me this, and, and it's pretty slick. Mm-hmm. And, and so, as, as I was saying, um, the authentication piece, I, I, I need to work on, but that's being, again, that's also going through Laravel. The other very interesting piece about it is it goes through the Laravel middleware, <clears throat> excuse me, middleware. So you can write um, customized, well, you can take advantage of the existing built-in middleware, like the API and the uh, authentication stuff uh, in Laravel, but you can also write additional middleware uh, in Laravel that is, again, handled that this would this would have to go through. Pretty cool, man. And I, I'm trying not to get too, you know, all in on it. Like, it just be like, this is it. This is how we're doing APIs moving forward. But, man. <laughs> trying not to get I'm too getting, Eric about it. <laughs> oh, I'm getting so close. And, and that's the other thing. I haven't done I haven't done any of the other CRUD stuff. I haven't done any creates, uh, updates, or deletes on it. I've just been doing reads right now. Now, there, there, there are implementations for that stuff. Uh, I just haven't. I haven't played with that yet. I, hmm. I didn't, you know, want to get that far down the path. But man, it is it is very cool. I I have to say I I've, I'm very excited about what I'm seeing. Well, I have a couple things. Go ahead. I wanted to bring up. Um, we talked about John running serverless PHP with AWS Lambda. We did. Do you recall did that? You? Me doing it? I did that. I have not I done John's that. Done it. We had talked in the past about Eric doing serverless <laughs> PHP with Lambda. Yes. And a consultant named uh, Rob Allen wrote A- up Acrobat? A- yes, Acrobat. A-K-R-A-B-A-T dot com. Fantastic guy. Extensive extensive write-up on how to go serverless PHP with Lambda. Uh, So I thought I'd throw that out there for anyone who uh, was interested in that topic. I don't understand Mm. any of this. I don't like AWS. (laughs) I don't either, but holy cow, is it powerful. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's great. Just not for me. Not my thing. Did I... Did I ever share the link 
that helped me get Laravel up and running? I I, I, I forget. It's it's been so. I, I we'll have to get go look through the show notes. And honestly, I would have to find it again. Um, but that was the that was I got PHP running on Lambda, which I was like, all right, that's that's whatever. But then I got I got a, a Laravel application running on Lambda, and that was the that was the moment where I'm like, wow, okay, I can actually use this now. I mean, we're talking about writing a bunch of microservices again and having microservices run on Lambda, super appealing. If I can do it in Laravel, that's super, super appealing to me. Yeah, but but with Lambda, aren't you paying for computes? Yes. So running a Laravel application would be probably not the smartest. Why is that? Because, I mean, when it's not being used, if it's asleep, right? It, right, but, that... but you're doing way more compute cycles for a request than you need to. Hmm. Like, Lambda is supposed to be super small, very isolated. You get in and do the job quickly. Yeah, running like a full Spark. application. Yeah, running a full application like that, you're, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, just the the bootstrapping is running a ton of compute cycles. Yeah, and uh, there was a presenter at Wave PHP who said that these containerized systems can run really expensive if they're not correctly tuned. It managed correctly, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I got I got my first con- uh Docker container since you said the word container uh into production recently my my Laravel application that I got to write and Mm -hmm. doing some benchmarks on it. It was hitting almost 600 requests per second, which to me was fantastic compared to some of the other stuff I do off of a single container. So that was interesting. Just fun benchmarks. Well, I also wanted to point you guys to the release of Laravel Accountant. I, I saw that this morning, actually. Uh, what it, is it? Because I did it not. It sounds see it. like it should be. It sounds like it should be an accounting package for Laravel, but that is not what mm-hmm. it is. It's an accountability no, package. Yeah. It's essentially it, who would call it an accountant event then? sourcing. I, I don't know. It's eventually. It's essentially an event sourcing implementation for Laravel, uh, different than Event Projector, which is I know the one you guys have been looking at. No, we've been looking at event sourcing. <clears throat> you haven't been looking at Spady's package. No. Well, we we did briefly, but but we haven't we haven't been. Recently. I mean, we're looking we've, at we've started. <clears throat> excuse me. We've been looking at event sourcing as a topic overall, not <clears throat> necessarily a specific. Laravel packages. Right. And we're actually looking to implement a fairly complete implementation. We're not looking to implement like a a dumbed down version of event source. Well, the interesting thing about this package is that you attach it to a model and it takes a complete snapshot of the model's access and changes. Um and it signs these snapshots with a a ledger, some kind of encrypted ledger record. The idea here is that 
if you have models that you want to audit to make sure that they're not getting unauthorized changes or that changes are coming from unauthorized sources or whatever, uh, this is some way of quickly spotting uh, anomalies in your records. Yeah, that's I, I had read that. Yeah, that, that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I'm curious about that kind of... Just the overall idea. How possible is such a thing to, to implement and could it throw up red flags automatically for you and say record edited by an outside route a route an unintended route or something like that or mm-hmm. uh, unusual referrer header mm-hmm. that would be interesting i know with the event sourcing i shouldn't say i know because i haven't done it yet but you're basically creating these uh uh, these events and you're you're passing in all the necessary data to recreate that event and i think you can also include metadata such as who made the change when the change is made uh and then any other information you want to accompany that so yeah that's that's i had figured that but this is i guess supposed to do some of that lifting for you as a laravel package would yeah so it's event sourcing esque, but not really event sourcing. Yes, it's it's event sourcing plus some automatic metadata rolled into it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, we're st- we're still on that journey. I sent out a tweet earlier this week and got a great response to people talking about it or retweeting me and had a handful of people reach out saying, "Hey, I'm available if you want to talk about it." So. We just with the the New Year's holiday and all, we weren't quite ready to make any commitments to anybody yet. That's the that's the most fun time to do commitments. Yeah, except when the team members that are working on that part of the project aren't available. Makes it hard. Yeah, a lot of a lot of vacation the last two weeks. I, I tell you, it was hard to. I probably I probably popped in the office every day but you know for a couple hours uh for a couple hours here a couple hours there it was it was hard to think about spending like all day at the office um i think i think we spent all day here i spent all day here yesterday wednesday it was just like uh oh man this is like a full day now it sucks (laughs) i had nice and no 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 problem Uh, no problem whatsoever i barely used my computer at all i spent a ton of time just enjoying myself the kids were out of town i only had to clean the house once for a week which is crazy because i normally clean the house three times a day yeah so just ah it was wonderful i i even ignored a message from somebody who didn't know that i was on vacation He's very proud of that. <laughs> I, I did play with another Laravel package that I've been wanting to play with for a while. You do like um, playing with packages. I, I am. I, I play with a lot of packages. I uh, I finally got around to uh, implementing uh, Laravel Nova. 
And oh. uh, it's all right. Yeah. You 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 did some Nova work, right? You you liked it, didn't you? Uh Nova, which one is Nova? Nova's the admin interface, the admin panel for Oh no, uh, I hate I hate Nova. Oh, you hate Nova? Yeah, no, I hate really? Nova. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you hate Nova? It's overhyped, oversold. I mean, I'm just Way... throwing out some suggestions. <laughs> It, okay, it, A, it was way overhyped. Way, way mm. overhyped. I uh, agree there. B, I already have a a route directory, a controller directory, and a base controller for my admin section. The, uh-huh. domain, the domain is clearly defined, and it runs on its own middleware t- to differentiate admins from users. Mm. I have a template an admin CP template. All right, that... So besides the fact that you already have something implemented, why? what is your gripe against Nova, though? I mean, you haven't given me a reason you don't like Nova. Because every time I've seen somebody say on Twitter, hey, Nova's pretty great, the next thing I see is, oh, it has massive limitations. Oh. Like, they, I don't, they I will don't tweet, know what... They will tweet, this is so easy, there. it just dropped in place and worked. And then the next thing is, oh, I wanted to do this, and it was completely impossible. Mm, I would be surprised to see anything impossible. I mean, just because of what it is. I have a very limited understanding of Nova, and I have my opinions of it, but, uh, you know, eh. So, if you care. I have in the range of... Apparently he doesn't care. No, no, go on, go on. No, go ahead. You have a range. Let's say, go ahead. I have in the range of 150 uh, tools in my admin page that are linked just on the left nav, not including any sub navigation. Right. And so, so the, argu- have to group the argument them. that would be made. Oh, hold on. The mm-hmm. argument that would be made by the Laravel worshippers out there would be. How long did it take you to create that admin interface? And you would give them some number, whatever that number would be. It'd probably be you know, weeks or months or it's been whatever. Five, it's been five years I've been working on it. Right. And their response would be, well, this would have kick-started that and cut your development time in half. You would have still had spent time developing all the customization you needed. You just wouldn't have to have done that initial... You know, a big chunk of it would have been would have been done for you. That I, that would be the response. Entirely possible, but all right. So let me share with you my findings of it, if you don't mind. All right. So on. I haven't worked my way all the way through it yet. I I'm I'm getting into some of the more nitty gritty stuff like calculations and the graphing piece of it. Uh, I did work my way through. A lot of the filters and lenses and cards and all that. Honestly, I mean, honestly, it's okay. Uh, I do now feel like it's probably a little bit overhyped. Not a little bit overhyped, a lot overhyped. Um, Where I see the justification that they feel like they have for charging for it, Taylor has for charging for it, I now in this I'm speaking to you as somebody who 
not only paid for it, but bought an enterprise level uh, implementation of it. So I've paid for it. Whoa, whoa, hold up, slow down. A what level? <laughs> a business level, sorry. You had my I interest, bus- but now you have my attention. <laughs> I bought the business level license for Nova. Um, so I, I did pay for it. I do think it might be a little bit overcharged. Uh, and here, here's why. I, I get why people in the, in the Laravel ecosystem are, are so wowed by it. Because of what it does is pretty slick. It does what a lot of other frameworks do out of the box. Which is build allow you to build a very quick and decent looking CRUD interface to your models. And this was my whole you know, trick I would do on people um, when I was doing my Cake PHP presentation. Because KPHP has this whole bake system, which is very close to Artisan. But it has a scaffolding system in it that will build all these CRUD interfaces for all your models, which is kind of what Nova is on the surface. I mean, that's that's where its strength is. It's, it's this CRUD interface that it automatically gives you to your models. Now, there's some niceties on how you can filter and display and, you know, control access to it. But ultimately, it's giving you some crud scaffolding to to models. And like I said, (laughs) other frameworks out there are already doing this. And I think think some Laravel developers would be really surprised to see how well they do it. So when I saw that that's what it was, I was like, ah, this is okay, but it kind of is. Really, if you think about it, it should it should be it should be like um, it, like one of these packages where oh yeah, you can do this out of the box. You can do some basic uh, scaffolding of your models, but if you want the nice scaffolding, you want the Nova product, which you're going to have to pay for it. So I felt or that way with the V-Bug or part. one of Spady's many packages, right? And I felt that way. It's funny. The first, the first time I felt this way was was with the Laravel debug bars and how excited people were getting with the different debug bars that people were making for Laravel. And again, coming from the world of Cake, Cake has a debug bar built into it, and it does, you know, it, at the time did more than the Laravel one did, but a lot of the same functionality. So the Laravel one's pretty damn hot now. Yeah, well, I uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, Nova is what it is. I'm still I'm still getting into some of the the more nitty gritty pieces of it. Um, I'm hoping to find you know more like, okay, wow, that was a big time saver. But yeah, it's I feel like it's something that Laravel should have just had or the the basic scaffolding piece, which Nova does is something that Laravel should have. Had offered a long time yeah. ago. Oh, absolutely! It, it feels like it should have been part of five point four or five point five, not as. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it feels like for further Laravel development is focusing on these little framework tweaks that keep breaking things, and mm-hmm. monetization of what the framework could be. 
And if Cake comes out and it has Horizon built in, Nova built in, and Bake and Artisan, Tinker, all those things, then it would be the go-to because it's got everything built well, it in does. already. I, 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 I'm telling you, it has, it has, I think... Which is why I'm emotionally straying said. from Laravel. <laughs> the one thing, I, I, I stand behind my statement, the one thing that Cake PHP doesn't have that Laravel does have is Cake PHP doesn't have Laracast. I mean, Laracast is really the, 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 the catalyst that makes using Laravel so simple. Yeah. Yeah, so the, I, I, what about the communities I, behind them? Does does cake, them? does cake have as big a, a community as Laravel has? Nobody cares about community. <laughs> you care about I, people uh, using it. So, so cake has a stronger community around community. Um, cake has a very good understanding of what community is. Uh, they it it was very large at one time. I I don't have. Obviously, I don't have statistics, but I mean, Cake has its own conference. It doesn't pull in uh, whatever the six, seven hundred. I think what uh, what Laravel is up to now. I think they're shooting for eight hundred now. I think Cake is still around the two, three hundred uh, of attendees for their conference. But they, they don't have a billboard um, in Times Square. I tell you what. They and they don't have a retro '80s uh, website either, but um, but the 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 cake community is a lot more established, and there are there are far less newcomers coming into the cake community, and much more seasoned veterans in the cake community than there is in the Laravel community. And the Laravel community, or you know what there is of a community in Laravel, the Laravel ecosystem, you're hit with this influx of of just people new learning, learning. Of, you know, this is their first introduction to a framework. Sometimes their first introduction to PHP, and and everything's so new to them, and, and you know they're embracing all that, which is great. And they, and again, I credit Jeffrey Way for a ton of this because I, it's most of it. It's those videos that that allow this to happen. But you know, there there's, I think. I think you're starting to see that level out a little bit. I think I think the newness is starting to wear off. Um, we we've been talking about, you know, Laravel is getting has the last couple of releases have been pretty boring, which again not not a bad thing. It's good it's a good thing to be in a fairly <laughs> stable. Have not been boring for me. I've had to update Iron MQ to support the changes in the Q contract. So. The undocumented changes in the Q contract, so not not entirely boring. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, when when Laravel has been around as long as Cake's been around, it'd be interesting to see where things compare. I mean, it's been such a massive ride for Laravel since since four to where we are now. And, and what are we? We're only talking what three four years. I mean, that's all we've. Is that is that about right when four came out about three or four years ago? Mm, about five. I mean, it now. hasn't it hasn't been that long, um, so I don't know. I uh, I'm not I I'm I, I'm not planning on on abandoning ship, but I'm definitely not losing sight of Kate, and I find myself well. 
you guys laughed I when I said that I was emotionally distancing myself from from Laravel, and the reason is because I work on a monolith legacy project that is Laravel bound now. I don't have upcoming greenfield apps that I'm going to be switching frameworks back and forth from or anything like that. So my my attachment to Laravel at this point is purely functional. I, I'm just required to be attached to it. But seeing the, but I mean, the wind the, blow, I'd love to get into Symphony. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I get I get you there. Uh, I can feel that. But but again, I mean, at this stage, it's like any other code base, right? I mean, for better or for worse, you know, you you have to maintain it. Yeah. At least with Laravel, you have some standardization in, in on how things are implemented. Yeah, it's so hard to write a code base that isn't tied to the framework in some way or another. I know it's I know it's possible. It's just really hard. But that's to do. that's the direction professionally that I'm going. I'm trying to write all of my stuff now with as much framework agnostic code in it as possible. But what do you think that's going to buy you? I'm just curious. Portability? I mean, I, I know that's the Port- argument, but, but what's the port- what, what, what good is portability? What good is... Yeah, but portability, when you, when you talk portability, you're, you're saying, oh yeah, I'm preparing for us in five, in five years completely shifting from Laravel to Cake and then watch me move my code over. Ha ha ha, this will work. That does... That, that, sort of thing doesn't happen. Mm, though, that's right? not really what I mean by portability. Portability for me means okay. that newly onboarded people who don't know Laravel can port my code over to anything that they're doing, even if they're doing it in JavaScript, because they don't have to have framework knowledge. They just have to have coding knowledge. Um, if, see, if, see well, that's if, if I can if I can if I can ask I want to dig into that a little bit. What's wrong with coding knowledge is very a very generic statement, right? But having having somebody with framework knowledge and and there was some tweets going back and forth about this uh, just today uh, over the last couple of days, uh, I think. And I think TJ Miller even said it. He's like, you know, hey, I can code in PHP. I can code in you know Python. I can code in Go. I choose to specialize in Laravel. I choose to take on projects in Laravel because, you know, you have that standardization in that you 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 don't have to. When when we bring in developers here at Diego Devs, if they have Laravel experience and knowledge, we know that's something we shouldn't have to teach to them now. Whereas if they just have general PHP coding practice knowledge. Even if it's good standard, you know, standard coding practices, that's still a very open book. Sure, but if they have PHP knowledge and they're a Go expert and you've hired them to write a project in Go, then you know at least that they can read the PHP without having to understand that Eloquent uses magic methods for everything that it does. And that magic methods are a PHP thing where you override the you know, the the default method for a, a class so that it references a lookup table of methods available. It, 
there's things that Laravel depends on that are PHP specific that that are hyper PHP specific. And if we bring someone on to do JavaScript or Go or Haskell or any other thing, there are certain things that are universally readable, and there are certain things in PHP that are not universally readable. Uh, magic methods for models is not something that's going to be universally readable for programmers. Uh, same thing with facade references, uh, late static binding, all these... these but, I mean... <laughs> There's, I mean, you, you mentioned Go. I mean, you know, the, there's there's a lot of things that don't make sense in Go that you, you just need to understand. You you need to know. I mean, I mean, every every framework in to some extent languages are going to have these these little niche niche things. I, I don't know. No, I I agree, but I think adding Laravel specific code into the mix. Is, is where things start to get confusing. But adding Laravel-specific code in a Laravel application, I, I don't see the problem with that. I, I, I appreciate what... Well, I'm, what trying to emotionally, you, my, tr I'm trying to emotionally distance myself from Laravel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I appreciate... I, I can appreciate to an extent what it is you're trying to do. I just question... I just question if, if there's really a benefit to it, or if you're making more work than you need to. You know, what's what what's the end game on that? I'm definitely not making more work for myself. This is something I do where I'm presented with a fork in the road. I've given two options on how I want to write this, and I choose the one that is less domain specific. Mm. Um, it's the the fact that I keep reading and keep learning, and I have different ways of implementing the same thing in my head available to me when I implement something leans me towards not implementing it in the most narrow scope. Yeah, I think his point was more around like helper methods. Are you avoiding the helper methods that are available via the framework? No, that... not at all. I love the helper <clears throat> methods. But I, I worked on a thing recently where the, the, <laughs> ticket, the ticket said uh, create a new table and model uh, create the relationship between this table and the related table in Eloquent, etc, etc. And I ended up implementing the whole thing as without relationships in Eloquent because accessing the model gave me everything I needed. Using Eloquent's query language gave me everything I needed. Creating the magic method for the relationship was totally unnecessary for the small scope of the project, and it didn't help me at all, so I just skipped that part. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it's... Yes, there's cases where I want to have the relationship so I can do these complex relationship-based queries and get all of the child and parent and pivot objects, but this was a case where it wasn't really necessary. It added complexity, and it made it harder. So, what you, to read. you just did like raw raw database calls, or yeah. what did you? Where where ID yeah. equals ID. See, this is where I'm getting super excited about event sourcing. Is in those joinings joining of tables, you project it to a new read model and get all the data you need. You don't have to join tables anymore. 
down at all. It's... <laughs> You've described something ugly to me. The whole point is you're you're creating new data data sources that you can read from. You can't write to them, but <clears throat> you can now store data in ways you need it or you want to access it. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, Thomas. The more you think about event sourcing, the more you ask yourself why you haven't been doing this your entire life. I, I the the little piece I was working on, um, I, I was doing some admin stuff, and uh, I wanted to um, I wanted to start I wanted to uh, capture the rates of what we're paying our contractors, uh, so that we could run reports. And I realized, and I actually ended up not putting it in the database because I realized I'm like, but wait a minute, uh, this is where we need an event for this because if I put a rate in here and that rate changes in three months and I try to run a report, I need to know that that rate had changed. So, you know, I have to track all this stuff. And every time I look at data now in a database, I I start thinking about events and I'm like, okay, how can this data change? And is, is that significant information that I should have known in the future? Like in the future, should ha- I I'd be able to know that, you know, my wife, when she was in high school, had a different last name? And when did it change? Whoa. Why did it change? And what action, you know, what, what action bitch. made that <laughs> made that change happen? It's just things like that. It's just like, you know, John had one kid at, at one point. Now he has two kids. And you know, when did that action happen? And, and why? And, you know, if we're talking about John's history... Back when we had one kid, how do we know that he had one kid at that time? Yeah, everything is event sourced at, at the in my head now. Everything everything is event based. Uh, maybe maybe I'm getting old. I don't want to. I don't want to start. I am getting. While I'm, going to I'm sleep. getting so frustrated. I'm getting so frustrated that we're losing that information. Now. I look at I look at relational databases now, and like spit and just. <laughs> To the side. Oh man, I just think about it. I mean, we have tickets that come into us that say, "Oh, hey, customers trying to run a report on this product, but they changed the price of the product, and now the report's not running correctly because they want to run the report from last month, and last month the product cost this much." I'm like, "Okay, well, well you know, that, that sounds like a normalization problem." <sighs> man, I, everything's events though. Everything. Yeah. It's driving me nuts, and 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 this is also slowly pushing me towards um, NoSQL solutions as well, as as a side note, because a lot of the NoSQL solutions that I've been looking at essentially do event sourcing. I mean, they keep they keep to records of how the document. Yeah, yeah. They keep records of how the document is changing. They don't keep. They they don't. It's not always an entire history. Right, and it doesn't document what triggered the change. Like, you know, you, you know, let's use the last name thing for example, right? You know, you the document may change where it says, you know, my wife's last name now is Johnson, and her marital merit status may have changed to married, and you may be able to put that together, but it doesn't actually document the fact that the reason her last name changed was because she got married. And you can have merge conflicts so, within documents, which is com- right. a completely separate issue. So to be clear, I didn't say it was event sourcing. I said this is—it's sort yeah. of like event sourcing. 
It's what's leading me to it looking just, more and more It sounds like at, it's going to complicate my life so much. Well, it is. Yeah. It probably will. <laughs> it probably will. Uh, you guys, you guys ready to wind down? I've got some uh, in closing tickets. Well, well over an hour in, so I am ready. Let's do it. You've been Wind listening to PHP Ugly. I'm John. I'm Eric Van Johnson. You, this is the second time you almost said you were Eric, John. <laughs> I almost say I was How Eric. How tired are you? Uh, I I think the big news this week is that uh, the EU has announced that they are funding bug bounties for open source projects now. Oh, I heard about this. Uh, yeah, the, that is pretty cool. The two big ones that are relevant to us are Symphony and Drupal. Oh, uh, so there are there are now bug bounties being paid for by the European Union for Symphony and Drupal. Oh, cool. Uh, I think that's really cool. Um, the other one here I've got was the Brave Browser. The Brave Browser. Look at that. I, I had that one queued up for you. The Brave Browser is a cryptocurrency-based browser that's sort of like my idea. Did you did you say cryptocurrency? What is that? It's not like dead? Uh, it's cryptocurrency. not. Cryptocurrency. It's, it's dying. It's throwing its hands up and crying. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out that the Brave Browser group was collecting funds on behalf of YouTubers who didn't know it was collecting their funds. It had <laughs> pictures of them, and it had uh, donate here buttons, and uh, they basically didn't really try to contact the creators that were getting money given to them, so they just kept the money. What? Uh, and I, I would have I sort of shrugged off the story, except that the YouTuber who caught this and alerted everyone else about the problem was tom scott who is a fantastic educational youtuber who travels the world covering oddities of architecture science and discovery and yeah the thing that got me though was that he really fucked over the brave group as a response and it was super, super easy for him. He filed a right-to-be-forgotten request under the European Union GDPR Act, which means that the idea that they had ever collected money for him whatsoever had to be deleted from all of their records, including their cryptocurrency chain, which, if you know much about cryptocurrency is not technically possible. Yeah, you you know, not to derail that conversation, but that law really throws, uh, really kind of derails the event sourcing as well for me. Uh-huh. I'm, super, I, I really wonder, I'm super liking I really, it. Yeah, I really wonder how event sourcing is is supposed to adhere to that law uh there's almost no way it can which in my opinion means i will have a job forever 
Well, I, I mean, you're a good-looking guy. You'll have a job forever, regardless. True. Um, no, like, I, I'm starting to really warm up to the GDPR after this this story and many other stories of people who have had unfortunate things happen to them on the internet mm-hmm. where I originally thought our platforms are so diverse. How could you possibly just remove yourself from all of them? But it turns out that like the big three or four platforms are the only ones you need to worry about. And removing yourself is just an email saying, Hey, you have to remove me. Mm. And I really 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 like that idea uh in light of comedians uh poor humor uh, 10 years ago being taken out of context and politicians who smoke weed when they're 18 and having a teenager just in general i think well hey if i want my kids to ever have a political career then the right to be forgotten is kind of an important thing because we grew up with that right Mm. as as adults now, we grew up with the right to be forgotten because it's only the people that we spoke to directly that can recall these events. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to really get comfortable with the GDPR and and implementations that are being proposed in the U.S. Even if it seems like it's a lot of work for us, our industry, that's still not a negative exactly you know what i mean sure um so my opinion on the gdpr has changed finally eth hub finally there's finally the the idea that i really really should have had a while ago (laughs) we had talked in the past about how i was having trouble with ethereum's programming language and the ability to have updatable contracts and renewable contracts and just some sort of technical stuff I was running into, somebody decided, well, hey, let's create EthHub, like GitHub for Ethereum contracts. And they mm-hmm. have all of the layer one knowledge that they've gathered and all of the layer two knowledge they've gathered. And they're building a network for Ethereum developers to learn and communicate and develop, I guess, uh, Ethereum technology. So I figured since we haven't talked crypto in a while, and uh, let's see, Bitcoin is at 6,000. No. It's more like 3,800 last I looked today. Okay, not, I think it's the not great. Last website we pulled it up was around, it was at 30 35 or something yeah oh. 38 <laughs> it's not good my, uh... so uh, i know we have listeners who who tuned in on my cryptocurrency conversations i thought they might be interested in this um it, one of the ways to really guarantee yourself a tech job in the next 10 years is to understand the programming languages behind ethereum and related uh, coding technology. So uh, check it out. Uh, ETHHub.io. All right. Well, it sounds like we're wrapping up. I like that. It does. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, boiled my doom and gloom down to just one thing, which really only favors me. 
wait, but was that it? I mean, no, did, you, did no. you talk about it? I haven't yet. Wait, no, I think you did. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, no, I feel like you did. You're just making it last longer. Well, I'm, I'm actually showing off. I'm actually showing off my, my little uh, terminal Bitcoin uh, <laughs> graph. Uh. The DRM behind Netflix, Hulu, and several other streaming platforms has been officially completely broken. Um, so the the high definition raw streams that are coming from Netflix are now open access to pirates, and they can get the full thirty five gig copies of movies in high definition. Which means that awesome. the piracy sure, market will that, be flooded. Big I'm fan. I'm sure that, uh, that, that Netflix won't use as an excuse to raise their prices and charge me more. Absolutely. I'm glad I used my mom's account. <laughs> All right. So you want to you share where you got this information from? Uh, uh, Reddit.com slash r slash piracy. And it, yeah, and it it actually points to a tweet that uh, I'm sh- I'm sharing with the uh, viewers. So, all right, that you was watch, uh, You guys watch Bandersnatch? I didn't, I didn't do your Doom no. and Loom. I no, you finished. It's good. You finished. It's good. It's a good uh, two hour, two and a half hour game. Oh, is that uh, the new Netflix thing? Yeah, the new Netflix game. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't yeah. stay focused long enough. It's pretty good. It's well, it's uh, well engineered. Yeah, it's pretty good. You guys are pretty good. Yes. With that, you let's just are, wrap it up. Our Patreons awesome. are the best. Our Patreons are pretty good. Let's put those guys up there as we, as we say farewell to our first uh, official show and. 2019 this is our what what are is a, a year of season for us now is this our third season we nope doing? still on our first season still on our first season okay yeah. that works for me we haven't we haven't lost or added a, a new uh no nobody's been killed or gotten pregnant so uh right yeah we can't we can't well, no, john's season. john's had uh two kids or a kid since we started well his wife did but he didn't get pregnant we got to jump the shark or something. So thank you to all of our Patreons. Uh, you can get us at uh, patreon.com slash phpugly. Uh, we are very grateful. There are rewards that are not listed, and if you listen to the podcast, <laughs> yeah. you should know what they are. And they will be they will be going out shortly. I, uh, I keep saying that. Well, <clears throat> no, they won't be going out shortly. I still have to order the, uh, the mini lanyards for the... Uh, for the real heroes of Patreon, but um, I'll get those ordered here shortly. It's a new year, so John John's releasing budget for me finally. He, he's a he's a stickler with the budget. So yeah. you guys call it releasing budget? Yeah, you know, he, yeah. He, he basically makes me think we're going out of business every month, and then as often as possible, the money to pay people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's John at? Oh, he just went into the bathroom to release the budget. All right. Inappropriate. I'm hanging up. But that would explain why that floor is getting so sticky, I guess. (laughs) 
right, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, everybody in our Discord, every every one of our Patreons, YouTube, and all of your other audio sources. <laughs> I'm Tom Rideout. I'm John Congdon. I'm Eric Van Jensen. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. Mm-hmm.